In Ukraine, the offer was made by Vladimir Putin. A lot of people think that this was sort of a crocodile offer or, I don't know, an offer like the uh, scorpion that goes, crosses the uh, river on the back of a frog. Uh, he said, okay, well, it's Orthodox Christmas. How about we cease fire and everybody can have their occasion? And Vladimir Zelensky said, no, thanks. No, we're good. Because any pullback by the Russians is perceived in Ukraine as a means of just rearming, reinvigorating, regrouping, plotting the new strategy, and then continuing the onslaught. We're joined by the National Post's Adam Zivo, who you've probably been reading in the pages and on the website of the National Post, is in Ukraine and has been documenting uh, a, a real-time account of life there in the time of war. Adam Zivo, good morning. Uh, thanks for having me back. Um, let's first talk about this offer of the ceasefire. I mean, in your day-to-day -day encounters, do you find people who think, oh, well, that would be a good idea? Absolutely not. The, this ceasefire agreement, or sorry, proposal is, is ridiculous and absurd. Uh, do you want to know what the Russians did on Christmas Eve on December 24th? They shelled Hrson in a market square, killed seven, and injured 58. Right. And you have to keep in mind, the Ukrainians at this point mostly celebrate Christmas on the 25th. So when it came to Ukrainians celebrating Christmas, there was no attention given to, you know, whether or not they should be able to celebrate in peace. During New Year's, they sent a missile into Kiev. On New Year's Eve, I was walking down the streets of Kiev when I felt an explosion. And the explosion was so big that it triggered car alarms beside me. After Christmas, like after the New Year's, when midnight, midnight struck, 40 minutes afterwards, we started hearing explosions in the sky. From 12.30 a.m. till 3 a.m., my boyfriend and I stayed awake listening to explosion after explosion sent by Moscow just to ensure that Ukrainians wouldn't be able to enjoy the holidays. And now Putin has the gall to ask for some sort of ceasefire so that the Russians can celebrate their Christmas. It's, it's absurd. It's obscene. I've been following you on social media, and I have to imagine this is turning up in the contributions you're making to the National Post. But one of the things you've been documenting is the Jewish community and its life in Ukraine as a means of debunking this accusation that the whole reason for the special operation, if we can call it that, uh, that Russia went into Ukraine to denazify it. So tell us some of these stories that you've been telling. Well, so one of my interests in Ukraine has been documenting minority groups and how they've been experiencing the war and their perceptions of Ukraine. And I currently am based in Odessa, which historically has been a Jewish city. Uh, unfortunately, the Holocaust changed that and many Jews left in the 1970s and 1990s because Moscow, uh, you know, instituted anti-Semitic policies that made life unbearable for Jews in the Soviet Union and in the 1990s in the post-Soviet space. Um, and I decided, okay, well, let's see what Jews in Odessa think of the war and think of Ukraine. So I contacted Shabbat Odessa and I interviewed the chief rabbi of Odessa and of Southern Ukraine. And every single Jewish Ukrainian who I've spoken to has found that anti-Semitism hasn't been a huge issue for them, not since the 1990s, which they attributed to Soviet thinking. Um, and they find the Nazi myth to be absurd. Uh, they said that prior to the war, they were unaware of how strong this propaganda was and how much it was accepted in parts of the West. And the war really revealed to them just how much, how much misinformation there was about Ukraine. 
Can you give us a bit of a pulse, I guess, on what the, the general sort of tolerance and culture is in Ukraine? Because it's not uncommon, for example, in Poland uh, uh, and, and other countries in, you know, in that zone to be fairly intolerant of, of difference and for there to be a, a through line or a shot through in the culture of intolerance toward minority communities. But what is sort of the approach to pluralism in Ukraine? Uh, much better than you would expect. When I came to Ukraine, I didn't know what to expect, right? And me being a gay man, I was a little bit worried. And I was investigating the LGBTQ community in Ukraine, and I was repeatedly told again and again and again that homophobia and transphobia is not a main, it's not a big issue if you're young and if you're in a city. Uh, and in all of my time here, neither I nor the people who I've interacted with have found intolerance to, towards gender and sexual minorities to be a big problem. Uh, with respect to racial minorities, yes, there was some racism at the initial beginning of the war when people had to flee all at once and tensions were high. Uh, but when I spoke to other, like when I spoke to Ukrainian minorities afterwards, they said, yeah, you know, the international media kind of exaggerated the presence of racism there. And on the whole, you know, it's not that bad. It was bad 10, 15 years ago. But after the 2014 Dignity Revolution, Ukrainians began to, you know, look towards Europe and wonder how can we be more European? And that led to a substantial change in their values, including how they treat minorities. So, the problem, though, is that some Western journalists don't want to accept this. I, I even had an editor of a progressive publication pressure me to misrepresent in, uh, the, the interviews I had with gay Nigerian refugees in Lviv to make it seem like they were saying that Ukraine was super racist when they were saying the opposite. Adam, thanks a lot. It's always a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. Adam Zivo, and you can read, I mean, you can follow him on social media because as, uh, I was going to say as a young person, I mean, the guy's in his 30s, but these days for me, everybody's young. Um, but he communicates a great deal on social media, but also his accounts of life in Ukraine, his opinions and views on other issues, even here in Canada, even though he's not in the country right now, you can see them in the National Post online and in print.